Hello, I'm Gareth. And I'm Shane. And welcome to Building Business Resilience. This is the podcast from Sanctuary Financial Planning, which helps growth business owners and social media influencers achieve financial independence. We're two passionate financial planners on a mission to seek out new ideas, tips and tricks to help you take control of your finances and run better businesses. We delve into the true goals and aspirations of our guests in order to provide you with some real value and positivity. Nothing outrageous, clear, simple, solid financial solutions. We also have a YouTube series to accompany this and details will be at the end of the show. So let's move on to our guest. Welcome back to the Building Business Resilience Show. It's episode 24, and in today's show, we're going to be talking to one half of the Hangfire team, Shauna. Sam and Shauna rose to stardom over the last seven years with their own take on authentic American barbecue. They left their jobs to travel America to learn the secrets and meet Dolly Parton. They have a restaurant in Barry, South Wales, famous for Gavin and Stacey, as we probably may know. Um, they have cookbooks, a successful BBC series, Sam and Shauna's Big Cookout. This is a fun one and insightful to listen to how lockdown has made Shauna rethink how she's been leading her life. And in late, in her own words, prior to lockdown, she was a victim of her own success. She confessed it to being fueled by caffeine, nicotine, Cronenberg and Greggs, but says things must change. So without much further ado, hold on to your hats. This is Shauna from Hangfire. Hi, Shauna. How are you? I'm very well, coming live from Barry Beardos, uh, where <laughs> it is raining, it's tipping it down. The weather's bloody awful. Yeah, it's the kids, same year in Cardiff Bay, actually, school. as well. Kids are back in school now, you know, the, the bad weather is allowed to kick in. Oh, well, that's true. Well, we're, so we're, we're open as a restaurant at the minute, but because of the COVID restrictions, we're running with 60% occupancy. And we thought, well, that's okay, because we'll have some outdoor seating, because obviously the weather was glorious during the lockdown. And now we've got outdoor seating and nobody can sit out there. So we're just running with 60% occupancy and hoping that uh, all the books balance up. Spinning yeah. plates. It is spinning plates in there. What, what, what has it been like in lockdown for you? Uh, it's probably the best four months of my life, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I mean, we're, I, Sam and I are a massive um, success story of the lockdown. But... Uh, what happened was in December last year, I uh, we came very, very close to the edge, I think. Like, um, uh, we we're under a lot of pressure because what happened to us in the last seven years and the success that we have um, it comes at a cost. And I realized that uh, last year, I pretty much spent the entire year living on caffeine, nicotine, Cronenberg and Greggs, uh, which was not good. And uh, when the lockdown happened, it happened just at the right time because it made us realize just how close to the edge we were. And the biggest lesson that I'm trying to learn coming out of lockdown now is work-life balance. It sounds like a cliche, but it is true. And must be hard in, in your industry that you're working long hours to serve other people when you probably need to, as you said, look after yourself. Well, well, it's not just the restaurant. You know, we've got three series of our own TV show on BBC One and we've got a cookbook. We usually do a lot of festivals and events. We were supposed to get married in June and have a big uh, wedding. Um, So actually running the restaurant um, is just one aspect of what we do. But But it's a monster. You know, it's, I can remember four years ago when we opened for the first time, we took 1,300 bookings in the first 24 hours and we were fully booked for four years. Uh, In that time, you know, we won a bunch of awards. We were recording a lot of stuff for BBC. 
actually, you know, it, it was a lot to take on board. And and now, well, because of COVID, uh, we were supposed to be filming a fourth series of the show, but that's stopped now, obviously, this year. And all of the, the festivals that we usually go to and, and, and promoting the cookbook and all the other stuff that we do has all been cancelled. So really, I'm living the dream at the minute because all I've got is one job. At the minute, my job is to run my own restaurant, which, to be honest, I haven't actually done since we've opened because I've always had a restaurant manager. But when we, when we closed, at the height of our employing people, we employed 24 people, um, but then we furloughed 16. So we bounced back with a team of 16 people. Um, and, and it's tough, actually, because we still expect the same level of service. We're still running with the same uh, menu. Uh, so we are slightly short-staffed, and that's why I've got some new starters coming in this afternoon, and I can't wait to start getting back to some kind of normal. Did, did this, as you said now, did this time give you the opportunity to almost recharge the batteries? The time, you, would, you would never had been allowed to have that length of time off before, so it's, it's, it's re-energised you um, to, to crack on again, or, as you say, have a, a balance of... What's you're absolutely like? right. You're absolutely right. We we before Christmas, I was mentally, physically, and emotionally broken, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. You know, it's it, like success. It does come with a price, and you know, you're just running on empty the whole time, um, and and moving forward at a really rapid growth rate. But the lockdown enabled us to take a big step back. And now, now that I've actually reopened the restaurant, now work-life balance is really important. Trying to eat better, trying to sleep better, uh, <laughs> trying to drink less, if I'm perfectly honest with you, um, and just get a little bit more uh, work-life balance. And one of the things that I did uh, was I bought an electric bike, or should I say a power-assisted bike. Any good? I'm thinking about buying one. They're absolutely amazing. Everybody keeps saying to me, oh, you're cheating. I didn't buy it for uh, fitness. I bought it for fun. I bought it for my own mental health, and it's absolutely amazing. I live in Lantwick Major, and every single morning, if it's not raining, I, I do a loop right down to the beach on Lantwick Major, all the way up, back around, all the lovely lanes. And it's also really made me appreciate where I live. Yeah. Um, I'd never really taken that much notice of just how beautiful a place Lantwick Major is and the whole Vale of Glamorgan coast, to be honest with you. Yeah. So I've kind of, uh, the bike is just helping me fall in love with um, the geography of where I live and a little bit of fitness. And, you know, when you're riding a bike and these bikes can get up to like 25 mile an hour and you feel the wind in your hair and you think, ah, it's just so uh, soothing for my soul. It reminds well, me of... Reminds me of being like, you know, 12 years old. <laughs> a mountain bike or a, or a road bike? Uh, road bike, road bikes. Quite heavy. It's like 24 kilos. So you do need the, you know, the power assisted element of it. But yeah, I, I've been hitting speeds of 27 miles an hour with earphones in, sunglasses on and no helmet. So I think it's only a, ma- it's only a matter of time. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Before you end up in some farmer's hedge, probably. <laughs> yeah. are, are you the only person then in lockdown that has actually decreased their alcohol intake where everyone else is in? Oh, no, mate, listen, I was free pouring hard liquor for most of it, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, but also, well, also, we, you know, we didn't really stop working. Even though the restaurant stopped, um, we still had the third series of Sam and Shauna's Big Cookouts to promote. 
Uh, we were on Saturday Kitchen twice, uh, which is, you know, an amazing opportunity. Mm. It goes out to 14 million people live. We did cook-alongs with Odie Mabusi, with Jack Monroe. We did a big barbecue competition with Maple because we're brand ambassadors for Maple Syrup. Uh, we've just signed a contract to be brand ambassadors for North Carolina sweet potatoes. Um, we're mocking up some drafts of what the next TV work's going to be like, what the next cookbook's going to be like. And so we didn't really stop working. We might not have left the house, yeah. but we were still working to the point where some days you were thinking, how, the, how did I even do well, the rest of my life on top of all of this? Just goes to show you how much we were actually doing. Does, does that show, though, that you getting the bike and that, that length of time out on the bike, headphones on, just getting your own space, fresh air, not having to take telephone calls, reply to emails, look at any menus or any, any of that, not, I'm going to say rubbish, but any of that work-related stuff gives you the free time to just clear your head and, as you say, appreciate things that you've never, never seen or noticed in the past. Well, I think, I think it's called a digital detox, isn't it? And, uh, and, and actually... Well, not really, because you get your headphones in. Ah, uh, well, that's just music. That's just music. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. Um, I, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing that I've done, actually, is I have completely come off and uh, given myself a break from social media for a couple of months. Okay. Uh, because I wasn't particularly enjoying that. And uh, I'd wake up every morning and look at Facebook and Instagram and get angry within about 45 seconds. So I thought, no park that social media is tricky for a business like ours because it's so important in terms of how you communicate with your customer and marketing and all you know it is really important but for me personally i just i've had a guts full of uh, facebook and instagram and all the rest of it so uh, that's been quite healthy because i find social media very distracting and since reopening and trying to refocus my own life and and my work-life balance i just i find it too distracting I'm just going to stay in my own lane for a couple of months and then think about how we use social media for the business in a way that doesn't take up a lot of my time. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said for that. I, I like myself and Shane are the same, you know, social media is not our big thing. I, I don't get overly absorbed in it, but we outsource a lot of hours for that very reason. Yeah. What, what kind of social media do you outsource then? Um, as much as we can as much as we can because we tried that and um, we enlisted the services of, of a woman in London who was doing some stuff for us particularly around the promoting of the TV show because we've got all of the social media for Hang Far but then yeah. we also have all of the social media for the Simon Shauna brand because over the last five years we've been trying to like separate those things out uh, and then what would happen is she would send me a message saying uh, what do you want me to put on social media today and then I would send her the text and the image. And then I thought, well, fuck, by the time I've done that, I might as well just post it myself. And so she's I, charging I, you for that. I, yeah, I, I'm, yes. Yes. Yeah, that, so, I, I, so, yeah, I that, go, we, we only let that go on for about a year. I could go down a whole rabbit hole. I could go down a whole rabbit hole with that. So, yeah, I think it, it's better that we just do it ourselves. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Tell us a bit about the career. Um, I have a note here, early days, you left jobs twice to go travelling. So is that yeah, kind of- well, I, I'm, I'm on to my fourth career now. I started in Cardiff about 22 years ago. Uh, I came to Wales to train as a child protection social worker. So I did 
eight years as a social worker, uh, working up the valleys, tribe protection, removing kids from their families, that kind of thing. And then we quit our jobs for the first time. We went and we met, I met Sam, who was a graphic designer in Cardiff at the time. Uh, we went from China to Colombia wow. and it took two years uh, traveling around the world, came back, moved to London. I ended up uh, working at a big university, teaching child protection law, evidence-based practice, mental health law uh, to social workers on a social work degree. And then there was a very uh, high profile child death case, the death of Peter Connolly, uh, baby P. And yep. I was part of the team that was called in to investigate that. So I spent four years investigating the death of Peter Connolly and coming up with evidence-based practice models to try and minimize the risk of something like that happening again. And then I was the quality assurance director for children's services for the London Borough of Redbridge. And I just thought, listen, I've done it. I've done social work from every possible angle, from being a practitioner, a manager, an academic, a child, a, a policy advisor, government policy advisor. And I just thought, I'm done. And I've always wanted to set up my own business. And then Sam, similar kind of story, graphic designer turned studio manager, turned massive branding expert. And the job that she left, actually, was she was the global head of creative for Johnson & Johnson. Wow. So she, she would rebrand suites of products that would go across 57 countries in 57 languages. You know, that, that, that was her. But we just both got to the point where we thought, um, you know, if we're going to set up our own business, now's the time to do it. We knew it was going to be a food business. But really, the reason that we quit our careers the second time was to move to Nashville to meet Dolly Parton. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that's what we did. And we ended up living with Dolly Parton's drummer. And uh, when we were staying in the, su- the south of America, the southern states of America, that's when we totally fell in love with American barbecue uh, and soul food from the deep south of America. Uh, so when we moved back to Wales in 2015, uh, we pretty much were credited with bringing authentic American barbecue to Britain, which was very unusual because we're still we're the only two women in Britain specializing in American barbecue. And the cookbook that we've written is the only cookbook ever written by two women about American barbecue. And it's absolutely bizarre that we're not even American. So that's it. That's where it all started. Uh, we had a little pop-up in a, in a boozer, which Gareth, I believe, that you tried to get into. <laughs> One. Yeah. yeah, good luck with that. Because, it was, I mean, it was so successful, we couldn't have predicted it ourselves. We started in this dodgy little boozer in a, in a pub in Splot called The Canadian. And, uh, you know, we went from serving like 10 barflies a night to hundreds of people. Uh, but then when we traversed across the city, when we went from Splot to the, to the Lansdowne, uh, which is a totally different demographic of customer. Yeah. Uh, it, it just went nuts. And that was the first time that we really realized we, we, we'd done something special when we trended on Twitter for 13 hours. Wow. Uh, yeah, such, was- such, such was the excitement that we, where we were leaving the shitty boozer and going to a nice <laughs> boozer <laughs> in Canton. <laughs> You can imagine, you know, the followers now that listen to these in America thinking about Splot and Canton and the lands down. They go, what are they all about? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and now we're coming from Barry, Barry Island. <laughs> and, and I live in Landwick Major. Yeah, you're going to have to Google all, for all our American cousins. You'll have to oh, Barry, Barry's famous, isn't it? Yeah, Barry is. Barry What's the motivation about, about doing all this? Because, you know, it seems like you, you both are absolutely you know, 24-7 before lockdown. It's hard going. What motivates both of you? 
Um, well, I think it starts with um, the motivation to run your own business because you always see that. I've always viewed that as freedom. You know, we, we all have to work, but it, I think it, I, we've always wanted to work for ourselves so that we could be the masters of our own destiny. Um, you know, we, we spent 20 years in careers that equipped us with the skills um, and the knowledge and the values and the finances to, yeah. to be able to rent out our, our house in London and just go traveling around the world and um, learning how to do uh, you know, American barbecue. Um, so that still motivates me. I mean, I, I mean, no, I, I think I'm totally unemployable. I, I don't <laughs> think I, I don't think I could ever go back now to working for someone else. And as hard as it may be, when you run your own business, you definitely are the master of your own destiny in a way that you just don't don't have whenever you work for someone else. Um, we never really had nine to five jobs anyway. I mean, our lives in London, we would work 65, 70 hours a week, even for yeah. other people. And we just kind of thought, you know what? If you're going to work that hard for someone else, you might as well work that hard for yourself. So yeah, the, the motivation to be in control of our, of our own destiny is, is huge. It is, it is nice that way because no more than ourselves being business owners, if you see something wrong, you don't have to go through 27 people to correct it. You're at the, the, the top of the pyramid. You, you make the call on your head, be it. But you can yeah, absolutely. Make- you know, that was one of the biggest motivators for Sam to quit her corporate career. Cause don't forget my, my career was in ac- academia. Um, it was work, it was more government, governmental, social work, that kind of thing. Whereas Sam worked in hard nosed money driven. I mean, Johnson and Johnson, you know, one yeah. of the biggest, companies in the world and that was one of the things she absolutely hated that everything had to be agreed by committee uh, and you know a, a, a small tiny little tweak still had to that meeting needed to meet with that meeting needed to meet with that meeting and yeah you know so yeah I, I do I do you know I, I can sit here in the restaurant today and one of my members of staff can say to me listen last night x y and z didn't work and I can fix it right now uh, and having that ability hands-on to change things, that, that you're absolutely right. That is a joy of running your own business. But whereas if, you know, the font on the, something that somebody's bringing out doesn't, doesn't, doesn't look right. So we're going to have, you know, 14 meetings just to, to discuss the different type of yeah. font available. Or, or, you know, there's, you know, famous meetings that Sam would tell me that she was a part of where they'd have three hours discussions about the fact that somebody didn't like that particular shade of yellow. <laughs> I can never it work happens. with that. It happens. It happens. Yeah. You know, with all of this lockdown and all that, you know, a lot of the things that come through with, with us, um, there's, there's underlying themes that are regulars. Um, one of them is, is mental strength or resilience. Um, how, how do both of you, I suppose, deal with when you have a shit day that you start to put on a brave face and, and, and get on with it? How do you deal with those type of days? Well, I mean, hospitality in particular, you know, stepping onto the floor of a restaurant is like stepping onto a stage. Uh, you know, there's what we call in hospitality here, the game face. It doesn't really matter what's going on because quite frankly, those customers that are coming that they booked four months ago, they're coming to spend money with you. They don't give a shit what kind of day you've had. So yeah. there's an element of sucking it up in hospitality. Um, then as individuals, there's a lot of us putting a brave face on it because we are the leaders of our organization as well. And our mood, Sam and I's mood, because don't forget, I manage the front of the house and she manages the kitchen. Our moods have a direct impact on, on, the, on the team. Yeah. So we always have to be quite mindful of, 
you know, we, we don't want our staff to be um, lazy or, or rude or whatever. But, and, and that all starts with us, you know. So we, we kind of feel like we're on show in that respect as well. Um, but you know what? I will give Sam and I huge credit because we are very mentally strong people. But in, in some respects, that, that, that's going to become our undoing in the end. Because <laughs> just because you're mentally strong and just because you can work at a very high capacity, at a very high intellectual level, and you can juggle lots of plates at the same time, and you can work eight days a week, doesn't mean you should. Because it does erode your mental health. Like I said last, uh, you know, I said at the top of the show last year, living on Cronenberg, Nicotine, and Greggs. Uh, I wasn't joking. I, I that I meant it because it comes at a cost, and um, and I think that you you just you start to erode away not only your mental health, your physical health. You're not sleeping as well. You're not you're not eating as well. Those are the type of lifestyle changes that we've really got to focus on going forward. But listen, in many respects, it's because we're victims of our own success. When yeah. the BBC comes to you and says, "Do you want to do a second and third series of a really successful TV show that you you come up with the concept and you have literally wrote the theme tune, sing the theme tune, done it all," uh, when when an, when the publishers come to you and say, "Girls, do you want to write another cookbook?" When the Observer Food Monthly come to you and say, "Girls," you won the best restaurant in the UK last year would you like to be judges for this year these are opportunities that you can't say no to um, so you know we, we are victims of our own success in many ways but here we are you know we started the business 2013 we're seven years in and finally we're starting to get some semblance of a normal life again so, like you said there with the the restaurant the cookbook the TV shows the the, the festivals and all that if lockdown COVID didn't happen, would you have continued on um, with all of that? And as you say, potentially even burnt out. H- how do you keep? How do you keep going um, now? Or has now, or th- as in the, the last few months, allowed you to take stock of everything and go? Wait a minute. As much as you said there about when uh, BBC come and when somebody else says this, is it now a thing of? finding more time for you as an individual going out on the bike or you as a couple enjoying time with each other in the future while still spinning all the plates, but being mindful that you were near, you know, you were struggling in the past, as you said. And now, well, we sh- you know what? Um, this is not actually the first time that this has happened <laughs> to me. This, this um, work-life balance thing, this is actually the third time that it's happened to me in my life. The first time that this was raised was I was the youngest ever child protection social worker in Cardiff. And I could even remember doing a set of care proceedings as a student. And, and, I, and, I, and, that, and that nearly broke me as a very young, young woman, young female social worker. And I came very close to the edge there. And then the whole issue of work-life balance came up and then I changed my career. I went into education. Um, And then I learned it again whenever I was an academic because I was approached by the Open University who said, um, we'd really like you to become an associate lecturer for the Open University. So then I was the youngest ever associate lecturer for the Open University and they paid me uh, £6,000 to do a piece of work on top of my my baby Peter job, that nearly broke me. So then what I did was I thought, I'm never doing that again. And I went out because I play guitar. Sam and I were like country musicians. Sam plays banjo and harmonica. We kind of bust our way across America. We love music, love playing guitar. 
Um, and so I bought a guitar, a Martin guitar, 1954 vintage guitar that cost me £6,000. And then I said to myself, every time I play that guitar, it is a reminder of just because you can work at that level, you shouldn't. So fuck me, here we are. Trick me once, trick me twice. I'm not going to be tricked a third time. The restaurant has done it to me again. So do you see what I mean? This whole issue of work-life balance, it's not the first time that this has cropped up for me. This is actually the third time that it's cropped up for, for me. But I, I genuinely feel like I've t- turned a corner. Um, the COVID was a tipping point to reflect on my life. And I am committed to making changes to start enjoying what I do a little bit more because yeah. I, I was doing so much that I wasn't enjoying it. Uh, you know, you're, you're filming the third series of the TV show and you're knackered and you're not enjoying it. You've got a fully booked restaurant where customers are really happy to see you and I'm not enjoying it. Do you know what I mean? I really have to start enjoying my life a little bit more. But when you come from a council estate in Belfast, you're, you have an inbuilt Protestant work ethic where what do you do in life? You work, you get as much money as you can, you retire and then you die 10 years later. That is the, that's the history of everybody in my family. Yeah. You, you work, you don't even fucking know why you're working. You just work. That's what you're born to do. You're born to work. And, and I have hung on to that, you know, very like lower class, council estate mentality and what I've decided is I am liberating myself and I'm going to be middle class how many many family members have electric bikes you see none none (laughs) none none absolutely none how many family members have a fucking bike uh my eight-year-old niece probably that's about it uh no listen we and Sam's the same she was born on a really tough council estate in Merthyr and we are two girls that have literally worked our nuts off to get where we are today. We haven't had any handouts. We haven't had any family to fall back on. Sam and I both knew at a very young age that anything we wanted in life, we were going to have to get out there and get for ourselves. So that work, 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 work mentality, that's all we've fucking done for 25, 27 years now. Um, but that, that's changing. Um, and, I, and, I, and I feel like, you know, Sam and I can now give ourselves... Um, not give ourselves a hard time for actually wanting to enjoy our lives. Uh, and that is a tension. That's always a tension whenever you come from the, the type of backgrounds that we've come from, where, you know, being middle class and just taking time out to enjoy yourself is, is, doesn't always feel comfortable for us. It kind of feels like unless you're working, you're not doing anything worthy. Yeah. But I've turned the corner now because focusing on myself and my own mental health and my own physical health is actually important. And I've got to give myself permission to allow myself to do that. Yeah, uh, and that, that's, that's good. You know, it's kind of, I, I think we've all been able to reflect on this, you know, and kind of, we, we myself and Shane certainly have, and, and I have as a family, you know, um, what, I guess you talked about hard graft then and you, you grafted for years. Is that the secret to success? Or is uh, there's, there's, de- there's, definite, there's a definite relationship between how much effort you put in and what you get out. Um, there's very, you know, there's very few things where you just get jet propelled to, you know, the top. 
unless you're a pop star or a footballer or a professional sports person or whatever. There, there's, but, but even in that respect, you don't get to be a professional footballer unless you work really hard. There is yes. absolutely a relationship between working hard and being successful. And, and actually what the skill is, is to make sure that the work that you're doing is the most efficient most effective use of that time because we've all heard the term busy fools. Um, you know, I've employed busy fools, people that spend their time um, doing too many low level tasks and not thinking about the high level tasks. So I don't know. What do you think? You, you, what, in your professional life, do you think that there's a relationship between hard work and success? I think, I think it's, it's yes, exactly. As you said, but I think there's a, a big thing that's come out in you know the last few months of you have to love what you do. Yes. Because if you don't love what you do, it's going to be a drain on you. And if you if you have to do something every day that's a drain, you will fall out of love and look at not uh, look at ways of not doing it. And how will you how will you still wait still remain in love with your your job your career? I presume by concentrating on you. And making sure that you're looked after. So as you say, maybe not having as much caffeine, nicotine, Cronenberg and exercising. And and because you've looked after, as in you, the, the drive or the love might have come back for doing the job and you feel more energized and, re, uh, and, and all of a sudden then there isn't that, oh, fuck, we have to do another, another BBC program because loads of people would love to do one, but it was, was it a thing in the past? It's another one, but now it's, brilliant can't wait to do it because i feel great so there is i think that you have to you have to be in love with what you do but you also have to love yourself and make sure you're looking after yourself first so that you can actually love doing your job and going to it and because if you don't love doing your job we all have to work there's loads and, of other jobs and, and not and not feeling guilty yes. about that that that's yeah. a, that guilt guilt is a massive part um of of my thinking and i've got to turn that around because um, eat, taking the time to eat and cook healthy meals for myself and get out on my bike and start managing the business better, more efficiently. Um, I, I have to actually enjoy it and not feel guilty when I'm not here. I, you see, Sam's completely different. Sam's hard-nosed. She comes from the corporate world, right? When she's not here, she doesn't care. She can totally mentally switch off. Whereas if I'm not here, I think, oh, could I have done more? Could I have supported them better? Would it be better if I was there? Uh, so, but bit by bit, I'm, I'm really, because that's, that's the control freak in me. Bit yeah. by bit, relinquish your control. I've got a fantastic team. I, I have a, the most amazing hospitality team in Britain. I, I just know I do. Everybody that works here is a die-hard Hangfar fan. The vast majority of people that work here have been with me from the start, which is so unusual in hospitality yeah. that I, you know, my attrition rates, my retention rates are, are great. Um, and I've got a really strong, capable team who constantly say to me, Shauna, just let us get on with it. And, and bit by bit, I am. I am, and I'm not feeling guilty about it. Which is, which is a major thing um, and, and, a, and a superb thing because if they love their work and they love their boss, the boss needs to realise that and and enjoy time with with doing things with herself or partners and all those type of things. Well, and all the research, well, the, well, the, well, the research as well, just to go back, um, because I've worked in some really brutal environments over the years, child protection, social work, for example, being one, you know, you're, you're, you're at the coal face of some... Mm-hmm 
horrific, horrific um, situations that family are living in with mental illness, domestic violence, child abuse, sexual abuse. You know, it, it's it's rough. And all of the research that, that shows why do people stay in jobs that are really difficult because hospitality is fucking brutal as well. Mm. Why do people stay in really difficult jobs? And the number one answer to that is the manager, the, the owner or the manager. If you've got um, a good team and you've got a good manager that you know has got your back, that's what keeps people in jobs. Um, and that's why I'm really proud of the team that we've built here. Um, and and we do, we'd have a lovely team. We have a really great team. Who cooks at home? Both of us. Like we're massive foodies, both of us, and uh, we cook all different types of food. Last night, Sam's in, at the minute. Sam's obsessed with um, scrolling internet blogs and going down wormholes for how to cook the most authentic Chinese takeaway, but at home. So she's on that at the minute, and, and the lockdown was fantastic because we were finally able to cook loads of stuff that were on, was on our list for years that we didn't have time. One dish in particular, um, there's a chain of Indian restaurants in London, fantastic operation called Dishum. And Dishum have a three-day black dal recipe. Three days to cook one dal recipe. Well, of course, on the lockdown, <laughs> as soon as we locked down, that's exactly what we did for the first three days of lockdown. We cooked the Dishum dal. <laughs> If, if it works, I know we, we've chatted to a guy's uh, uh, X amount times uh, Olympic, uh, Paralympic gold medal world champion. And he said him and his wife um, now have spent lockdown and they're, they were going to, is it Beijing for the Olympics? They went, right, let's start um, doing, you know, tasting different foods. But because we're tasting different foods, we can taste the wines associated with them. So everyone <laughs> things like that when they, when they would never have, have an opportunity in the past. Uh, we drank, we drank a lot on lockdown, a lot. I mean, yeah, our recycling was so embarrassing um, because they give you this piddly little grey for bottle. <laughs> so what had happened was our home brew, we have a house brew beer uh, and a 4.6 um, IPA that we serve at the restaurant called Lockhart because Lockhart is like the spiritual home of Texas barbecue. And it's brewed for us by uh, Crafty Devil which are a local, a local yeah. um, independent brewers in Cardiff. Yeah. So what happens in good faith, the boys brew in advance, because obviously it takes like six to eight weeks to make the beer. So they're always on a rotation. So when we locked down, of course, they had like five kegs of Lockhart kicking about. And so I said, well, it's a shame to waste it. What should we do? <laughs> I said, why don't you bottle it? And then I'll buy it all off you. So there's 88 bottles in a keg. So 88 times five. So that was that was one forty. That was one delivery that we had, and so they're gone. They went. That, that was done. And then uh, another. And then we have a cider in a bottle here, Hallett cider, because Hallett's won the BBC Food and Farming Awards. Uh, we won the street food category. They won the drinks category. And they're actually featured in the first ever episode of um, The Hang Fire, the TV show, uh, where we bury a whole pig down in the beach in Jackson's Bay in okay. cider. So we use their cider. And Andy Hallett's dad lives in St. Athen, which is just up the road from Lancet Major. Yeah. And ev once a week, he would come and visit his dad and bring me two slabs of cider. <laughs> so we had 400-odd bottles of Lockhart. <laughs> And two slabs of hallets. And then we got addicted to margaritas. 
Um, so yeah, we we, we were that. That's when the the free pouring of of heavy liquor started. So to be honest with you, I'm glad to be back to work just to dry out a little bit. I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm I'm conscious of time because I know you have to go on and induct some new staff. Um, yeah. One of the last things. Um, some you mentioned a few earlier, but give us give us a funny moment because we've been talking about serious people for a while. Say that again, sorry. Uh, that, that, um, we've been talking about serious things for a while. Yeah. What, That's what, really what, hard. I don't know why we're losing. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Funny, funniest moments, I think. Oh, boys, it's too many to... That's, it's too many. It's like, you know, whenever I interview someone for a job here and the final question is always, if you were on death row, what would your final meal be? It's a, that is as difficult... Picking out a funny moment is as difficult as that, you know? Uh, there's been too many funny moments along the way. Some, some scary, some funny. I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I can't think of a single funny moment. Isn't that how sad is that? that? That's the drying out. I honestly can't think of a of a funny moment. My life is one big funny moment. Uh, you know that 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 question causes me so much anxiety because you know when I think that I really like to go on desert island discs, but the thought of having to pick the ten tracks, yeah. it's just too stressful. It's like I can't I can't pick a funny moment out. You'll have to just make it up. <laughs> Oh, funny moment. I've got one. I've got Go one. On. I've got one. When we accidentally outed ourselves as a couple live on national TV to 14 million people. Uh, that was quite funny uh, because obviously everyone that knows us obviously already knew. But um, we were supposed to get married on the 6th of June this year. And obviously it was cancelled. We're having a big three-day festival wedding. We were having people coming from all around the world. And so we went on Saturday Kitchen together and because we were sat together, we had to explain why we weren't social distancing, which then accidentally meant that we outed ourselves to 14 million people. Yeah, I, I remember that. That was on social media, wasn't it? Was it social media that pulled that up? Oh, my up? God, they bloody kicked right off on yeah. social media. I tell you what, though, I was overwhelmed by uh, the outpouring of love that came from that because Brilliant. Sam and I have never really talked about the fact that we're a couple in, in business because mm. we don't want it to be a distraction. It's yeah. not a main driver of Sam and I's life. Don't forget, Sam and I, we've been together 20 years. You know, yeah. We're uh, pretty much our whole lives. It's not a big deal to us. Um, and when you put stuff like that out, there's always that little bit of concern that you know homophobia will creep in or whatever. But I've got to be honest, the, if anything, it was from a PR perspective, <laughs> is one of the best things we ever did. No, that's pretty. No, I, I do remember that actually. I remember that um, when when that was questioned while you were sitting next to each other on, on Saturday Kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been uh, lovely talking to you, boys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. You, uh, am I still okay on here? Yeah, yeah, we can hear yeah, you. Back again. You need to go and induct these new uh, members of staff and, and feed them up well. <laughs> oh, no, nobody gets fed. Listen, that's, that's how little you know about hospitality. Nobody in hospitality eats. That's, if, that is this fucking awful industry that we work in. We spend our entire lives making sure that everybody else is having a good time. That is the, de the definition of hospitality. I, I will ensure when we're in Barry on the weekend, my brother will be down and we'll take a picture outside to show you. 
you know, but listen, you boys are welcome to come and eat here anytime. Um, I know the boss, so I can get you in. <laughs> Superb. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, it's been so, thank you very, very much for taking your t- time out of the day today. It's much appreciated. Yeah, appreciate and, it. Thank um, you. Best of luck with, with everything that happens over the next few months. And hopefully um, you'll be back to 100% capacity sooner rather than later. That would be nice. That would be really nice. I'll see you boys soon. Thank you. Take care. Shauna, thank you for chatting. You never know, we may bump into each other on the roads around South Wales someday as we pedal our electric bikes. Bit of a contradiction there. But for now, I'm off to get some burgers cooked. Head over to our website, www.sanfp.co.uk to learn more about us and our journey. That's it for this episode. Next, we're talking all things entrepreneurial, the co-founder of Dent and four-time best-selling author of KPI, Entrepreneur Revolution, Oversubscribed and 24 Assets. It's Daniel Priestley. You can hear that wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, don't forget to click subscribe to get all the latest episodes as soon as they arrive. Don't forget to listen to our new Chats at the Bar series every Tuesday for a short insight into business, money, finance, aspirations, dreams, and planning. Also, if you're enjoying the series, please do leave us some feedback with a quick review as this helps us grow and ensure we are giving our audience the best experience. Until next time, thanks very much for listening.